Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I am joined today by Jessica Matheson. She is an amazing foster mama, and she has some awesome wisdom to share with us today. So thank you, Jessica, for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to our chat. Same. Okay, so can you tell us just a little bit about your family to get started? Sure. Well, I am married to Rory, and we've been married for seven years this summer. We began our family through foster care, but we have a daughter who is 19 who came to us through foster care. And then we have two biological kiddos, one son who is three and a little almost like this week, 10 month old (laughs) Um, little girl. So that's who we've got in our house right now. (laughs) Okay. And so can you tell us how you and Rory got started with idea of foster care? How did that come up for you guys? Sure. So we talked about adoption, actually, like when we were dating. I mean, I think it was on our first date, even we're like, oh, we need to adopt. Like, I've always thought that'd be really neat, whatever. And it was just something that was kind of on the back of our minds. And then when we had been married a couple of years, you know, we wanted to start thinking about trying to have a family biologically. And I had some women's health issues that were making that a little complicated. It was taking longer than we would have hoped. And so we were kind of in this place where it was like, we're waiting and waiting to get pregnant. And we know that we'd like to adopt one day. Are we supposed to do that now? What do we do? So we went to a conference at our, that was held at our church um, by a local ministry. And this ministry provides support for foster and adoptive families and help with like adoption grants and things like that. And some friends of ours kind of had similar journeys where they were not able to have biological children and they had gone to the conference to learn about adoption specifically. And they said, you know, you guys should go. We went last year. It was, it's free. I mean, I think you'd really enjoy it and you just learn a lot. So we said, okay, let's try it. So we went just kind of like, I don't know. We'll see. And we ended up, both of us felt like at the end of the day um, that we were supposed to foster. Our eyes had not really been opened until that day to the foster care crisis. And we weren't really aware of it, but it was something that was kind of in the culture of our church at that time as well. I mean, it still is. And so we just saw that it was a possibility for us and decided to go down that path. So that's so funny because my husband and I had a similar situation where we went to a conference that had nothing to do with foster care, actually, but there was a woman who spoke um, who had been in foster care and had a not great experience there, which Mm -hmm. made us really that day think about fostering. But I'm curious, what was it for you and your husband that you heard that day? Do you remember that made you really kind of feel like a stirring in your heart towards, towards foster care when before it really had been adoption? I think, well, I was an elementary school teacher. And I wasn't really in teaching because I just loved like 
the material. Like, I mean, I'm a people person. So I loved kids and their families. And I had seen kids in my classroom that, you know, like had really rough home situations and like my heart just went out to them. And, you know, I would come home thinking like, gosh, what if I could take them home? And so it's kind of like this thing, I guess it was honestly just like a natural process of the Lord kind of softening to my heart to needs in our own backyard that I just hadn't been aware of before. And I think it was kind of the same for my husband. Like we, once we saw the numbers and then heard stories and realized that, you know, every number has a name, that kind of thing. It was just kind of like, well, adoption is a forever commitment. Mm. Foster care is not always. And we felt like this is something that we can do to serve and help families in our community, like right now. Mm -hmm. And they need people and we've got the space and we feel like we're willing to learn. So it just kind of was like a natural thing of like the Holy Spirit speaking to both of us. I don't know that it was like one particular story or statistic or anything, just more like of this, like, I think that we're actually supposed to pursue this and like, just like a supernatural, like, Huh. Yes. <laughs> Le- leaning or, you know, yes. nudge. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you guys, you know, made that decision, I assume you got licensed and everything. And then mm-hmm. what was it like the first part of your foster care journey? It was wild. <laughs> so we had not been parents before, obviously. And I was a teacher. So I was like, I mean, I know kids. I didn't really know about trauma. I mean, I was like, oh, kids have hard backgrounds. Okay. So my, our first placement, we had said that we would take two kids because we had a three bedroom house and it was just us. So we had two extra rooms. So we were like, oh, we could take two. And we were thinking like a baby and like a toddler or something. And like, I mean, we had a crib and everything. It's actually the kid, the the crib that my kids sleep in (laughs) now because we're like, well, we already have one. So we were ready for younger kids. We had said maybe oldest, like seven, eight. And we got a call like a week after we had been licensed and maybe two weeks. And they were like, hey, we know that you said this, but, and they had three kids, all elementary age. So I think it was like 10, eight and seven, two girls and a boy. And I just felt this like, I think we're supposed to say yes. I'm very much like a gut kind of person. And my husband has to like think through everything. And I think through things too, but I'm more like do it and then kind of think about it. You know, whatever. When it comes to things like this, at least. (laughs) When it comes to things like this, where I'm like, we don't have time to think it through. Like we just have to like trust and pray, whatever. Yeah. And it was, so this weekend, my husband had, was actually going to be traveling for work, which he doesn't even do that often, but he was going to go to this conference. And so it was like, we could not, I wasn't going to take them by myself. We didn't have beds because we had thought we were going to take like a toddler, you know, whatever. So it was like, okay, can we have time to think about it? Because like, we feel like we might want to say yes, but I cannot take them right now by myself. And we don't have like adequate furniture and (laughs) stuff. So I convinced my husband to pray about it. And then he said, yes. So they came, I guess, like Saturday or something. And we had had like, we had found out about them on like Thursday, something like that. And it was crazy. It Like (laughs) that first weekend was Mother's Day, which of course we had no frame of reference for. So we like take them to church on Mother's Day. Uh I mean, just all the like rookie mistakes, like, and it was, it was insane, but the Lord taught us a lot. (laughs) And it was one of those seasons like it was one of the first times where I like began to get comfortable with asking for help. 
because up until that point, like lots of hard things. I mean, I, both my husband and I, like we had all, we had had challenges, but nothing compared to that, like kind of like what everyone called baptism by fire. Uh-huh. And so it was like, I just like had to ask for help all the time. You know, um, we had like a care team that cared for us and brought us meals, but then there were people at their school that kind of helped us out. And we were just like, yes please yes 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 we will take whatever like babysitting yes thank you like Mm -hmm. anything (laughs) so yeah I love that you mentioned that because I think it's something that I hear it's confronting for a lot of foster mamas especially just because we tend to be people that are like you know people pleasers and helpers and trying to help other people and that's all well and good but like there is nothing that has made me need and know my need for help more than being a foster mom. And it's so good to hear another foster mama say, yeah, this is the time to say yes to all the help because this is not something that is sustainable if we're not willing to accept help. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, there is absolutely no way I can do this without a huge village. <laughs> right. The more the merrier people. We yes, are. basically. Now accepting yeah, like, applications to our village. Exactly. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course, all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. Okay. So now, how long were those three kiddos with you guys? So they were actually only with us for a couple months throughout that summer. And it was actually, it was a really rough situation. Like it was one of those things, situations where like they would have done better separate, which I know that that's not the way that you want to do it. But in this instance, there was like one of the kids like just had some behaviors that were like, like traumatizing the other kids. And so they ended up being separated, but like, it was just a whole big sticky mess. And like the county ended up moving them from our home. Like we would have wanted them to stay if we could have had two of them and the other one go to a different place, all these things. But the county was like, no, we're just going to take them all. And so it actually was a really hard situation because they left pretty abruptly and then bounced around a bunch. But look at the Lord. We ended up getting back in touch with them. Like, I mean, I want to say like a year later because their new, like their foster family, they were believers and they had heard the kids talk about like a camp that we had sent them to and they figured out how to get in touch with us. And they were like, Hey, what was the name of this camp? They keep talking about it and somehow tracked me down, like, because I was on staff at our church and knew it was, I mean, it was like, they used all these different things to figure out how to get in touch with us. And we ended up getting to see them again. And they ended up being able to reunify. Yeah. I mean, so it was just like, whoa, look at the Lord. Like he had his hand on them the whole time, even though they had so much upheaval. And like a couple months ago, like the oldest of their sibling group, like reached out to me, found me on Facebook. And I was like, oh, she's like, I've been looking for you. We love you so much. We miss you. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so goodness. it was an insane two and a half months that felt like two and a half years, mm-hmm. but so completely worth it and like we I mean we still think about them and pray for them and I couldn't I mean I'm like what I got to like see that they were okay and they you know it was really cool so they got to meet 
our old our daughter who's who's with us now and our son because I just had like he was a baby so we got to like meet up at a park before they were unified when they were with that other family it was it was really neat so that is so really, beautiful really cool. yeah I love that I mean I can imagine that during the two and a half months that you were caring for these three kids as you said it felt like two and a half years sometimes like I mean were you at times like oh my gosh, I don't think, I, I don't know if I can do this for another day. Like I feel stretched to my oh, max sure. capacity. And then to mm-hmm. have uh, over a year later, the oldest who wasn't even that old, you know what I mean? Like find you on mm-hmm. Facebook and be like, we love you. Like they're talking about the camp that you sent them to. I mean, how encouraging it for was you guys, but for other foster families who are like, this kid was in my home for two and a half months or maybe less, or maybe a little bit more it's like, it's impactful, but it's a huge deal to these kids. It's amazing. Well, it was very easy to think like, oh gosh, like we could have done this. We could have done that. But like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we thought we were like, I mean, I feel like we've done all that we can. And then it was like, the proof was there. It was like, it mattered to them. And we were like, oh my gosh, like it was worth it. (laughs) They remembered these things. So it was really cool. I'm so glad you guys had the experience of that. And now, so about how many like foster kiddos have you cared for over the years? So it was that sibling group. And then our daughter who came to us, who's still with us. Mm -hmm. And then one other last year, we had a girl who was with us that was 12 from like June to July of 2020 to 2021. And now we're, we're closed. Like we're just got our adopted daughter and Mm-hmm. We'll see what God does in the future. Yes. <laughs> but we don't have space. We always will, won't we? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Our social worker just asked us this week for like the 12th time. She's like, you guys, are you going to keep your home open or close it after you adopt your daughter? I'm like, close, 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 mm-hmm. close. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mama needs we a breather. Need, we need some time. <laughs> we need some time and space. We do. And that's okay yes. to take that too. <laughs> yes. um, okay. So this is funny and striking me as we chat you initially were like, we got a crib, we got a little toddler set up here. And you never once had a baby or toddler until like they legit came out of you. (laughs) Basically. Yep. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. So how did that, like, I would imagine, I mean, how was it for you after that first sibling said, I'm like, ah, trial by fire. Then all of a sudden you're like, sure, keep, keep the upper elementary kids and teenagers. I know. Well, we kind of got to the point where we were just like, okay, we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to make it really, really, really clear because I ended up, so all of my women's health problems, all that, whatever, I ended up getting pregnant with my son miraculously. Like, I mean, we were, we were very happy, but I mean, we were surprised because we were like feeling like it was never going to happen. It was like, it had taken almost two years. And I was six months pregnant when our daughter came to us and we had prayed and we had always said, you know, well, if I were to get pregnant, like we're going to continue to foster because we're not just going to kick these kids to the curb just because I had a baby. Cause it's not like we were fostering just because we didn't have kids. You know, it was more than that, obviously. And it wasn't like some kind of substitute, but then, you know, I kind of got a little bit of cold feet and I was like, cause I got pregnant. I found out I was pregnant, like right after the kids had left. And so we didn't have any kids in our home. And I was like, well, maybe we should not. I don't know. And my husband was like, um, you know what we said, you know? So we had like a six month break, which is longer than we would have thought, but it was really good for us. We actually like had moved. I mean, it was like across town, but you know, we moved and just had some other things. And so, and then, you know, first trimester pregnancy. So we, the way that our daughter came to us is kind of like a supernatural thing. Like there was just, it was just really clear and obvious. And so 
it wasn't like we one day were like, oh, sure. Like, why don't we just, you know, I think we should take teenagers now. It was more like this girl specifically, we know that she needs to come to us. Mm -hmm. Like, because of just like a supernatural or ordaining of events. And we were like, huh. So it was more like, this is the girl for our family. And like, we think that God has led her to us and vice versa. Then like, oh, sure. I think we should start doing teenagers now. (laughs) And then after that, it was like, well, clearly we don't know what we're doing when we put any kind of age limits on things. So I guess we're just going to say we're open to whatever age and see what God does. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there it is. He'll get us there one way or another. (laughs) Exactly. So my gosh. And so will DCF, man. It is so funny. They're like, Yes, you're gonna do babies. Cool. Here's twin sixteen year olds, and you're like, oh. I know, I know. <laughs> um, that's always. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, I want to talk just about your book. You have a book that you have met with, and I want everyone to know about it. So, can you tell us what the book is called, what it's about, and what made you decide to write this book? Sure. So it is called Praying for Your Foster Children, and it's a 30-day guide. And I had written a book, um, I guess almost two years ago now, called Fostering Prayer. Mm -hmm. And that was a prayer guide as well as a 40-day prayer guide. And it was more kind of walking through like the overarching, like just all the like nuts and bolts of foster care. So it went through like the fruit of the spirit, like as us, as we need that as foster parents. But then, so after addressing kind of that spiritual part, it went through like praying for CASAs and attorneys and biological parents and counselors and praying for court dates, you know, all kinds of different like nitty gritty things that are specific to the foster care journey. You know, your church family, other people looking in, like how your life is a witness, that kind of thing. But then I realized, that like when I had my kids my biological kids there are so many books like for praying for your children which I mean that's great obviously that's awesome but I, I mean I have like probably three or four like praying for your children praying the scripture over your children lord help my child you know whatever mm-hmm. all these different books but I was like I don't know that I've seen a guide to pray over your foster children and that's a unique set of challenges and um, circumstances. And so you're going to pray for them differently because they're different kids and they have different backgrounds. And so I was like, you know what? I mean, I just literally, I was just sitting here in my bedroom one day praying. I don't even remember about what, just sitting in my little prayer chair. (laughs) And I was like, it was just like, it just came to me. I just started writing down like all the different ways to like cover them in prayer. So like the book goes through praying for them from head to toe, praying for their relationships with authority figures, praying for trauma brain and their mental health and emotional health, their relationships with you, their relationships with any foster siblings and praying for their forgiveness for the people who have hurt them. So it basically just walks through all of those different aspects and has like a devotional reading for each day. And then a couple of different scriptures that you can pray over them and like a guided prayer that kind of is supposed to be like a little bit of a springboard to help you with putting words to the things that are all jumbled up in your mind that you know that you want for them, but it's hard to get it out sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes you just don't know what to say. (laughs) Absolutely. And I love that because it's, it's so needed. There've been so many times, I mean, goodness knows like how much I've prayed over my kids, but it's like, I feel like I'm always kind of like, fervently saying like the same two sentences, you know what I mean? Which isn't bad necessarily, but Mm -hmm. just like to be able to see like, oh, like just to have some other ways and ideas of like, how can I like 
you know, even strategically be praying for mm-hmm. all the people involved with my, my child and their, their mm-hmm. family, their people who work for them and with them. And I think like, what would change if we, maybe if we did mm-hmm. work a little bit more intentional with prayer as a foster parent. So I love that yeah. resource. Well, that was a big part of the structure. So the ministry that we were, I guess, served by, involved with in our former town was really good about doing something called care teams. And those care teams that came around foster families, part of that was part of their responsibility and their role was prayer. And Mm so the care team leader would email periodically, weekly, semi-weekly, monthly, whatever, with prayer requests. And we would send out court dates and they would say, okay, we're going to have, we're going to take shifts and people are going to be praying every hour or whatever for these few hours surrounding the court dates and like we saw major things happen as a result of letting people in and asking them to pray with us and I mean that continues to happen today I mean so I just was like okay I feel like this is an untapped I mean, prayer is just something that we just don't do enough of. I mean, you're always going to be able to grow in that. And Mm. so I just was like, people need to know there is power in this. Like, I mean, we could talk about our problems all day long, but like praying about them could actually get something done in our hearts and in everybody else's hearts too. Ruth. Oh my gosh. Yes. Sometimes I think I've had the struggle of being like, you know, especially times on our foster care journey when things didn't look like they were going to go a way that was safe or healthy or for our kids. Mm. I was like, well, all we can do now is pray. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and God was like, Oh no, you did not just say that's that. Like, what that you need to be doing all the time. That's plan A. That's plan A. Like, and so, mm-hmm. but it's oh, easy to forget it because we forget, I forget the supernatural yeah. power of prayer. It's just, it's so beyond our human comprehension that even like a, you know, a devout follower of God is like prone to to forget, to wander, to mm-hmm. not, you know, mm-hmm. stay, stay consistent and intentional in the mm-hmm. prayer. So I think a, a guided like prayer journal devotional like that would be so helpful. So I want people to be able to find it. Um, where can we find <laughs> your amazing books? So it's on Amazon. So I've self-published all of my books and they're just straight to Amazon. And okay. so you can, if you got prime, you get it in two days awesome. <laughs> and I'm there's Kindle versions as well. There's Kindle versions as well. So oh. if, if people want to read it on their phone and just through the Kindle app, instead of getting a print copy, there's Kindle versions too, for people who prefer that digital. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And for people who want to follow your journey online, where can we do that? So I'm mostly on Instagram. It's Jessica N. Matheson. There's an N in between my first and last name. And then my website is the same, jessicanmatheson.com. It's not as updated, but there's lots of old stuff on there too. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jessica, for sharing your story with us. Thank you for the resources you've created and just, you're amazing. I'm just so glad that our paths crossed. I know. I'm so excited to get to know you. It's been fun. I appreciate all that you're doing too. I've I've taken a look at some of your things and I'm like, man, that is needed. The work that you're doing just to (laughs) help foster mamas stay afloat. That is a very felt need. (laughs) So way to go. (laughs) 